wouldn't mind taking a shower at some point. Are there lizards in this garden? There's a frog who lives in here. You often see him. It's There's really funny. Dart over there. I don't see any lizards. There's snakes around here, but not a lot of them. Is this what we got? There's one right there. Yeah, that's it. Two eggplants, both little. That's it. Got like eight eggplants this year. It's not really that successful. Come on. Let's go. Out. We're closing up the garden. Come on. Come on, sweetie. Who knew the chickens were so much fun? Yeah. Right. We harvested eggplants. The men have returned from the hunt. You're harvested in that short of a time? Episode Mark Bittman. Whisper in your lover's ear. Text the Soundhawk 303-548-6877. Soundhawk, welcome to this very special episode of Natch. Episode Mark Bittman. Chilly day here in Snowing outside, the fire's roaring. I wonder what it's like in cold spring. We will find out soon. We'll find out soon. Um, Should we get... Well, first some business. First some business. Okay, Mark. Go ahead. You want me to go? Is it the business I'm looking at here on the dock? Teen, who asked Wendy's for nuggets, breaks all-time retweet record. Yeah. Powerful, cool. powerful story. <laughs> Very moving. <laughs> Comes to us uh, from The Verge. Nevada teen Carter Wilkerson has successfully ousted Ellen DeGeneres for the world record of the most retweeted tweet of all time. Holy shit. The title previously held by DeGeneres at 3.4 million retweets. Comes a little more than a little over a month after Wilkerson asked Wendy's Twitter account how many retweets he would need for a free year supply of chicken nuggets, and the company responded with 18 million. That seems a small price to pay for a free year of chicken nuggets. I mean, do you really need a free? Does you know get, what? One retweet is too much for a free year of chicken nuggets. That's what I say. And does that mean you get chicken nuggets every day for a year or multiple times a day? Is it as many as you can cram into your maw? Well, you know what? Wendy's confirmed that the teen will get his nuggets, though it didn't specify how many pieces he'll be allotted per day. Mm. Bring all his buds over there for lunch. Yeah. Nuggets all. Just walk into the store and be like, I'm the mayor of Nugget Town. Drop the mic. Well, he didn't. Nuggets. He didn't reach 18 million tweets. No, I just checked. He reached a. I'm giving you a real time 
That's what people come to this show for, the Natural Living Podcast. Oh, yeah, this is Natch, the Natural Living Podcast. They episode 118, Mark Bittman episode. Uh, Mark Brush. Oh. oh, hey, I just got an alert. Uh, we have to call Mark Bittman. <laughs> not yet. We got to get... Shortly. Hey, he's got, uh, not Mark Bittman, Carter Wilkerson has amassed 3.6 million. He's got a ways to go. Retweets or followers? Retweets. Oh, well, yeah. They said that even though he didn't get 18 million, he'd still get the thing. And then United Airlines tried to get in on the game. I didn't see that. Yeah, I read They that, were like, uh, hey, Wilkerson, now that you uh, have your free nuggets, like where in the world do you want to go to eat them? Like oh, they were going to give him free. Um, They're horning in on a viral moment. Yeah, but they got so slammed, callous. homie. All these meme tweets saying like, it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. They'll drag trap. you off. Um, since the tweet went viral, he's pivoted his objective a bit. Smart move, Wilkerson. Uh, to be clear, it was a tweet, not a treat that went viral, Mark. Did I say that? Promising that once the record is broken, Wendy's will donate 100000 to the Dave Thomas Foundation for adoption. It's a cause close to my heart. If, if one of your treats goes viral, people, throw it away. Don't eat it. You don't want to get sick off of a treat. Hey, uh, Mark. I got another one. You got another one? Uh-huh. All right. It's just as good. Now, Mark, you, you should know this. Mark loves nothing more than curling up in bed under the covers on a chilly morning like this and reading a romance novel. So it's a little difficult for him to haul himself over here, especially when it's so so gray and drizzly out. But uh, his bookshelf is about to get... Uh, okay. His bookshelf's about to get a little more crowded, Mark. Let me... Should I try to say something? Go for it. God. I'm going to bring this up with Bittman. This whole interrupting thing. He interrupts all the time. That's why the only reason I can. Wait, what? You're the interrupter, not me. I know, because I have no choice. KFC released a steamy romance novella just in time for Mother's Day. All right. Don't know what to give mom for Mother's Day? I mean, this has already happened, so hopefully you gave her something. If you have a mom. If you don't have a mom. I'm sorry for bringing that up. Wow. (laughs) You should talk more. (laughs) KFC apparently has your back. They just released what they consider to be the ultimate Mother's Day gift, a romance novella titled Tender Wings of Desire. Mm. Set in Victorian England and featuring Colonel Harlan Sanders as the love interest. Hell yeah, he's back in style. Paired with a, quote, this is where you know it's tongue-in-cheek. Paired with a $20 fill-up featuring KFC's extra crispy chicken, mothers can finally get what they want this year. A family meal they don't have to cook and some alone time with a captivating novella. That's from a press release. Very nice. You know, there's that podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Watch oh, for a companion podcast. My Colonel wrote a romance novel. Tender Wings of Desire is the story of rebellious Lady Madeline Parker. Nothing. No. Who runs away from her home in a loveless betrothal. What? Betrothal? Betrothal. A brothel. To find herself swept off her feet by Harland, quote, a handsome sailor with a mysterious past. Is he a sailor? I thought he was just a colonel. 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 He doesn't look, that's not a sailing I think they've already boofed it. Not sure if KFC is the way to your mom's heart. According to the company, KFC sees a 40% sales jump on Mother's Day, making it their best-selling day of the year. Trump-pocalypse. Yeah, send your mom to, wait, people are going to KFC for Mother's Day? Yeah. That's not a good idea. Oh, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. I know what you're going to do. Buy a silly bow tie. You're going to crush the rest of this episode. Yeah. With the one and only Mark Bittman. Is that how you're going to do it? Because you, you have a whole script written. May here. I introduce him for you? <laughs> are you going to be reading from the script or are you going to be ad-libbing? Those are notes. See the dot, dot, dots? 
Oh, okay. I didn't want to add lip this. I can, wanted to be very attentive to this. The ellipses is where you can you can scat take, and bebop and I'll take jazz a out. Assess the level of sorghums I'm dealing with. All right, so this is Here episode come. 118 of Natch the Natural Living Podcast episode. Mark Bittman. Here comes Mark Bittman. That's how I started this notes. <laughs> Here he comes. Here comes Mark. The frankest food voice in America. That's our tagline for Get Bit. Okay. He job. joins us for the rest of the show. And it says it's a blast. I think it'll be a blast. It better be. Yeah. He's great. Uh, <clears throat> and he needs no introduction, except for what I've written. Well, it's a pretty needy introduction, actually. <laughs> You've got one of his cookbooks. Sure do. You've read him in the New York Times. Probably. You've heard him on Get Bit. Most definitely. <clears throat> yeah. So that's the uh, weird and wonderful podcast we're making with Mark. Did you know that? I knew all about it. Yeah. So I think this, you can find that. Go to Stitcher, SoundCloud iTunes, uh, channel seven. And that's G E T B I T T. Yes. But this is sort of a, this is an episode of Natch, but this is kind of a mashup, right? Natch plus get bit Mark Bittman. So we've been trying to figure out a roly poly. We're making a love child. Oh, there you go. It's the love child of the get bit pilot and Natch. Keep it extra loose. Fun. Loose let, love let child. this man shine. So that's what this is. This is kind of like another pilot of Get Bit. And, uh, you know, without further ado, Mark Bittman, here we go. You left all this part out. That's because these are notes. I'm just, it's oh, not. okay. Okay. I, I, can, I can roll with it. I've done stage time. Well yep. done. Look. All right. Mark Bittman's here. Um, in the house. In my house, anyway. That's my first question. Where are you? Uh... I'm at Glenwood, where some guys are here roasting a couple of lambs over, um, not over, in that sort of flying pig style of being next to an open fire that they built this morning, but it's 90 degrees out, so it's not the most pleasant task imaginable, but um, they're mostly not there because it just sort of takes care of itself. It's a very beautiful sight. I can actually send you a picture. We can post it. Oh, that's perfect. We're not going to get sizzling pig flesh noise bleeding into the recording, are we? No, I think it's, they look like, they look like lamb or sheep. Oh, lamb, lamb. Um, Is this what they do for you every Thursday night? (laughs) I get this every day. No, there's a farm dinner here once a month, Uh and this is, and, and often, although not always, often the farm dinner happens outside. There's a, little house down by the lake. I think you guys saw that when you were here. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, that lake. You know, so first one of the year, mid-May, you sort of think, well, that's pretty risky. It could just as easily be 45 and rainy, which it was the other day. Um, but it's 90 and sunny, so it's kind of perfect. We've got 34 and slush snowy. Yeah, it's a very wet snow, very heavy. Wow. You know, typical, typical Colorado May. Yeah, this is kind of how we run right. here. We love it, right? Right. Well, you know, it wouldn't. We wouldn't get slush here, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was. It really was raining in fifty, forty-five, or fifty the other day. It was so miserable. But yeah, I think we're. I think we're past our last frost date. Mm. Weather. <laughs> weather. Okay. Yeah. That's, whether we like it or not, we could probably do weather. better than that. Okay. No, I don't we'll know. We'll consider that all throat clearing. Speaking of which. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> now, For good measure. Now. All right, so we have a segment on this show called We Are Watching. What? Sound cue. We'll put that in later, right there. Yep. Okay. Um, and this is this is a segment where we keep an eye on the uh, the way Trump is 
you know, wreaking havoc. That's one way. And everybody is like, I don't know when you're when you're running this podcast, but yesterday and today, it's like people I know who are in the news business won't even talk to you on the phone because they're going so crazy trying to keep up with what's going on. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't slow his roll. Well, that's why. <laughs> that's why. Before we dive into the politics uh-huh. of food, we're going to start with. We got something lighter, right? Nick. Well, I don't know if I call it lighter. It's spicy. Nixon's spicy pepperoni salad. Well, it's lighter because it's ancient history now it's at this just, point. It's just culture. It's not the demise I, yeah. of culture. Everybody's talking about Nixon. That, that's right. I was there, you know. I mean, not in Washington, but I was alive and watching those Watergate hearings. And it was sort of the same kind of level of, um, what do you call it, schadenfreude, schadenfreude? Whatever that word is, schadenfreude. Well, let's go to Josh for that one. Josh is the best of... Scheisskopf. <laughs> no. No, okay. it's not that. Um, the just sort of uh, um, ecstasy over other people's misery. Yes. But everybody was rooting for Nixon to fail, or almost everybody, and fail he did. Um, and it was very dramatic, and it was like this. I mean, this is this mm. is just getting getting up its head of steam, I think, uh, actually. Right. Yeah, this could be pretty insane. I, was, uh, I read a little thing that uh, Trump's ghostwriting biographer who wrote Art of the Deal said he was he thought for sure Trump would resign very oh, soon that, yeah. because he doesn't want to lose like he can't handle losing so he will quit before he's impeached much like much like Nixon but he will spin it so that it's a victory go ahead right yeah by all means <laughs> whatever it takes <laughs> yeah. right or he'll be like this country's so fucked up that even I can't fix it so I just <laughs> or how's he gonna say he won that's the, that's the I idea. triumphed over my enemies I left yeah, yeah. I decided. I, I, I decided out. this was a dumb job. It's the art of the deal. I've got more important I, things yeah, to I do. Just, I, I have more important things to do. I'm not making enough money. Yeah. Um, All right. But Nixon was famous for the cottage cheese and ketchup. Okay. You well, know, that was you know that this was not. You sent me uh, a sort of chopped salad with pepperoni and um, roasted peppers and like a chopped salad with some meat and some cheese. Um, but, uh, and it was hilarious how the article was like, oh, well, the Nixons were very into eating fresh fruits and vegetables. And meanwhile, this is like lettuce mixed with a bunch of canned stuff mm-hmm. and some pepperoni. <laughs> well, why would you bake, but, um, a, bake a grapefruit? Baked grapefruit. Well, I was going to ask him this. Does baked grapefruit just mean kind of brulee grapefruit probably? Or do you actually bake um, grapefruit? No, I mean, I don't know it. I've done, I have done exactly what you said, sort of broiled grapefruit with sugar on top until the sugar caramelizes and it browns a little bit. That's kind of nice. I don't know why you'd bake a grapefruit. I guess, you know, warm, soft grapefruit, not the worst thing in the world. But who knows? And who knows how much of this is true? Um, Well, we never set it up. Should we say that we're referring to a (laughs) story that. that named... Named Nixon's favorite recipes. You and just they did included, it. Included uh, cottage cheese with ketchup, which was really everybody knew that. Um, meatloaf, which okay, spicy pepperoni salad, which as I said is a bunch of canned stuff with some romaine and pepperoni. Ice cream sundaes, well that's unusual. Baked grapefruit, that is unusual. We'll but get, do that. You want to read the next one, or should I? Oh no, you you're not looking what I'm looking at. 
I have some notes here. You ready for the last one? Fine French wine. Quote, while a lot of people like fancy wine, the 37th president's affinity also played into his tricky dick moniker. At the time, the White House was instructed to buy and serve cheap vintages to guests with a towel wrapped around the label, while Nixon hoarded all the Bordeaux for himself. Classic. Um, interesting. And um, they probably never knew the difference. So that was, that was the least criminal thing he ever did. <laughs> but indicative of all of it, right? What kind of a host. And Trump... Uh, Trump is known for, President Trump is known for eating KFC and double cheeseburgers and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's a teetotaler. Because he just drinks Diet Coke. He, he likes taco, oh, right. we call him Taco Bowl. What was it, where he loved Mexicans? He ate it on Cinco de Mayo. Yep. Show of goodwill. Right. Well, you know, um, I think I read somewhere that one of his arguments was that um, there's nothing safer than fast food. And from the, mm. from the, perspective of food safety not health but from the perspective of food safety if you remember the jack-in-the-box scandal that killed x people i can't remember exactly how many um i remember that i don't remember i mean ever since then fast food people have been so or you look at what happened to chipotle last year fast people food people have been so paranoid about making anybody sick that um I don't know that it's the safest food you can eat, but if you're interested in eating food that you're not going to get food poisoning from, you're just going to feel bad. Um, you could do worse. When you're going to look like Trump. It's not an endorsement exactly, but, you know. That's just an appetizer. That's to wet our palate for the politics segment. Now the real one comes. Josh, set this oh, yeah. one up for us. What is wrong with you? Michelle Obama savages Trump's gutting of her leg- legacy. Not her leg, her legacy. <laughs> this comes from the Guardian. Michelle Obama has made her cheese and ketchup. Michelle Obama has made her strongest political intervention since leaving the White House, stating bluntly at a health conference, "Think about why someone is okay with your kids eating crap." Crap. One of the former first lady's signature legacies was an effort to reduce childhood obesity. Earlier this month, Donald Trump's administration froze regulations that would cut sodium and increase whole grains served in school meals. Mm. Well, um, that stinks. You know, now that the Obamas have entered sainthood, in retrospect, it's um, it's not it's simply not done to criticize them. But um, I think it's, and certainly we only expect bad things to happen in the world of food under the Trump administration. We don't expect any progressive new legislation to be passed. We expect all progressive old legislation that can possibly be halted or turned back. Um, we expect just that to happen, and we think the Farm Bill will be, which is due, due for renewal now, will be um, uh, a nightmare. Um, so, uh, you know, again, this is not an endorsement by any means of the Trump administration, but the Obamas came into the White House um, with guns blazing around food and they backed down uh, really quickly when the food industry seems to have read Michelle Obama the riot act so um, they had much more ambitious goals back in 2008 than they wound up with um, as they were leaving or even by 2010 Uh, having said that you know they did they did more for school lunches than any president um, in recent history, and um, 
and she did say and do some good things about this stuff, and she's right. To, to try to turn back this clock is um, fighting against the inevitable and, and, and going, well, fighting against the inevitable, period. Um, well, and also doing the wrong thing. She's right. Why would you want to do the wrong thing? Um, but the Trump administration is doing the wrong thing in every conceivable category, so it shouldn't be that surprising. Uh, I think you know there's a move in New York right now for universal free school lunch, which if you combined universal free school lunch with a relatively healthy school lunch, um, you would really have moved the ball real, quite far down the field as far as providing children with decent nutrition and a lesson that says, um, here's what real food is, here's what good food is. But it's, it's a far cry from you know, what Alice Waters wants to do hmm. with Edible Schoolyard, for example, which is to basically use food as a core curriculum and teach every subject around food and have the kids garden and eat real food and cook real food all the time, which is, um, I don't know that we're ever going to get to that point, but the idea that you make food central to life and you value it and you understand what it is is um, a much more advanced way of thinking than let's increase the proportion of whole grains and reduce the amount of sodium in school lunches. Not that that's a bad thing, but that is not the ideal. The ideal, the ideal would be to have kids understand what real food is and have them grow up appreciating that and, um, and shunning the stuff that's not real food. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not KFC on Air Force One. That's not what we're looking for. <laughs> Although it does make a great photograph, the KFC on Air Force One. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've kept in touch with Food Corps. I still keep in touch with them, and I've been thinking about them a lot. It, uh, can't, be, can't be fun over there right now. No, I mean, anybody who's dependent on federal money yeah. to do good work right now is probably scared. Yeah, and they're kind of like a few years into sort of seeing what works and what doesn't work and the value of having somebody in that school working with the kids and talking about it year-round. Anyway, right? why do we need to get depressed on this? Uh, I don't, I don't know. To. We, we well, could, you oh. could probably find something less depressing to talk about. But um, are there pictures of Nixon eating? I, mean, I know I'm hung up on this, but are there pictures of Nixon eating cottage cheese with ketchup on Air Force One? Oh, I don't know if there are. We better put somebody on that. Part of our extensive staff will put on will put on this. They will find those images if they exist. Yeah, that's a shout out to uh, Adam Butler. Start start doing a Google search. <laughs> uh, Mark, I don't I don't think you can hear this, but a, a phone is ringing. Oh, oh here, yeah, that's a hotline uh, in our studio. Yeah. We have a we have a hotline that it, it lights up quite a bit because we are on Patreon. Uh, Natch nine thousand. Are you yeah. going to answer the phone? I'm answering it right now. All I'm right. All right. So what happens is people can go on Patreon. They can support the show. If they give $4 a month, they get a care package that has buttons, a signed photo, a bookmark. I don't know if he knows any of this. I'm just running it past him now. I don't know any of this. I know about Patreon because of Oh Yeah Dude, of course. Well, yeah. We're following their lead, we figure. Why not? The most successful podcast in the world. Uh, Well, Uh, there there is a podcast on Patreon called uh, Chapo Trap House. Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah. Three dudes. Talking no, politics. No, no. Four or five mm-hmm. dudes. They're sort of um, millennial smart Alex talking about politics. Sixty grand a month on Patreon. On Patreon? Yeah. Yeah. 
What is, why, why? I guess I just have to listen. <laughs> well, I think the key is that you can't, they do like two shows a week and one of them's free and one of them's for, for, for patrons only. Paying patrons only. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's how they got them. And, and it, they're so compelling, you want to listen twice a week? You tell me. I've tried. <laughs> I'm going to try that, because I can't even keep up with, oh, yeah, dude, I'm about 14 weeks behind. Uh, They've been very busy. I don't know. I've been listening yeah. a bit lately. They're, they're as good as ever. We were listening in the car the other day, and we were, like, driving all over the road laughing hysterically. Oh, that's great you're still listening. That, I love that. Yeah, they're special. I was interrupted by listening to S-Town, but, you know, me and everybody else in the world. Well, not everybody. Yeah, podcasts. Not, not Josh Tyson, who won't listen to a no. podcast anymore. <laughs> I'd rather make him than listen to him. I listened to yeah. it. I thought it was something special. But I came... Uh, it was I, good. Yeah, I grew up... Well, I didn't grow up. Both of my parents are from the South, and my mom is from South Central Georgia, and so I spent a lot of summers there. And it rang quite true, much of what was going on. Mark uh, right. fancies himself a Southern gentleman. Well... But uh, I didn't know that about him. Yeah. Oh, Rich. Oh, oh, yeah. We've got another sound cue happening right now. Um, it's a sound cue that comes up in the what show. What does that mean? You want to explain that? Well, I'm about to. Uh, we like to do a thing on the show where we uh, answer a burning question with the help of the tarot. No, oh, he knows this is coming. Yeah, we have the tarot cards with us right now. Right. Uh, I'm going to give them a loose shuffle. I wish we were on video Skype so I could show you the cards as they're drawn. We, we could switch to that, can't we? It might uh, interrupt the flow. Okay. We'll, do, we'll just we'll just give you very uh, evocative descriptions of each card. Okay. Jo- okay. Josh so, is shuffling a tarot deck. Yeah, this is my tarot deck. Mark is not allowed to touch it. I don't believe. I don't in want it. his energy on this deck. Um, so the question that we have for the tarot, Mark, would you would you phrase it, please, Mark Brush? Should Mark Bittman make a weekly unscripted podcast with us? That is a great question. <laughs> He's laughing already. Pay attention. You're going to make this decision based on yes. the tarot cards? No. Well, the, the tarot cards will color this decision. And your we reaction. Can't say that right. Yeah. So we do a, we do a, a classic three-card uh, tarot reading, which is a... Well, let's, a, let's see if Mark is a fan. He's, is he a fan of the tarot? I don't know. Do you have tarot experience? Mark I tarot experience. Probably in 1969, I had tarot experience. It's oh. like most people. But not since then. Back when Nixon was eating cottage cheese on... Ketchup. Exactly. Right, exactly. And women would say, should I go out with this guy on a date based on a tarot reading? Oh, okay. Well, that's sort of like this. It's like, do you want to go on a exactly really long same. date with us? <laughs> exactly the same. So we have a past but card. But how do you know? Do you know how to read them? Or are you uh, just making shit up? No, I'm, I'm a very strong intuitor of the no, tarot. he has a little book. I have a mimeograph book that gives me some, a little bit of guidance, but really then I go from there. I just rely on my intuition, Mark. Mimeographed? Really? It's what came with the deck. This is a Ryder tarot deck. It's, it's a classic. Um, so we have a past card. This is Josh's favorite part of the show. We have, a, we have a present. Mimeograph? Really? Well, I mean, that's what it looks like, doesn't it? He's, I think he's... What's the font? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, it's a serif font. It looks like maybe Times New Roman. It's just no, it's I think it's just a copy. It's yeah. mimeograph. Oh. oh, I see. He's the specifics of the word mimeograph. He's challenging you on. Oh, well, Mark Brush is the one who always calls it mimeographed. I've never said that oh, word in my you life. You have said that out never. loud. Check the tape. Check the tape. I'm sure you mean Xerox. Yes. Or photocopied, as we would really say. Two against one. All right. Two uh, I, mean, I don't think there's been mimeograph machines since like 1978. Well, this this booklet could date back that that long. You don't know. This reading could date back that long. 
All right, so the okay, past, the past, the past card we've drawn. The past is the wheel of fortune. That looks good. Yeah, that should be good. Should be. Mm-hmm. We never know what's coming with the tarot. It throws him fast and loose. You can hear him opening his. I've got my my book, my photocopied sheet. book. Wheel of fortune, destiny, <gasps> fortune, success, luck, oh! felicity. But that's the past, right? Mark has and Mark Bittman has enjoyed all those things in oh. the past, right? Well, I mean, ask him. Mark um, Bittman, have you enjoyed fortune and success, luck and felicity well, in your life? We, I think we know the answer. A nice, healthy dose. Yeah, I'm not sure I know what felicity means, but yeah, sure. Felicity, I think, was a television show on the uh, WB a number of years ago. <laughs> That's how Josh lived life. Um, uh, yep, created by J.J. <laughs> Adams and Matt Reeves. Ooh, oh, this man's on schooled. the machine. He's Googling. We got it. <laughs> look for, uh, look for Nixon. Felicity means great happiness. Okay, fine. And while you're there. It was also it was Carrie Russell's breakout role. Her break. But while Mark's on the oh, machine. Carrie there. Russell. It's true. There's pictures of her. Mm-hmm. I was going to have him look for pictures of Nixon and catch up on an airplane. Let's not, let's not get too distracted. Yeah, we're in the tarot. We're in the tarot. Don't, don't dis- disrespect the tarot, Mark. Okay, what present? Right. present? The present card that we've drawn is the Four of Wands. Okay. What is that? Well, let me turn the page and tell you. Four of Wands. From the four great staves planted in the foreground, there is a great garland suspended. Two female figures uplift nosegays. Like N-O-S-E-G-A-Y-S. What's a nosegay? It's a flowers. A bunch of flowers. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about that breed. A, a bouquet. Or whatever. It's, uh, I don't think it's a... Breed. I'm not sure it's a kind of flowers. I think it just sort of means a little handful of flowers. I, Ooh, okay. I definitely know but it's But I don't know. I made that up. We could, I'll, I'll Google that while you're... Isn't it great how people pretend they're not Googling everything, but everybody is? They look like pretend on radio and podcasts that mm-hmm. they know shit, but basically they're just sitting there Googling stuff. We're transparent uh-huh. on the show. A nosegay, small bunch of flowers, typically one that is sweet-scented. I guess I look pretty good on that one. You hit it on the nose. Pretty much. Nosegays. Oh, nosegay. Okay, so continue. Uh, and at their side is a bridge over a moat leading to an old manorial house. Couldn't they just say a manor? They could. Would that be the same as a manorial house? That, that what, uh, the divinatory meaning here according to this uh, photocopied book, they are, for once, almost on the surface, country life, repose, <laughs> concord, harmony, prosperity, and peace. He's on his couch in Who's Cold on Spring right, Farm now. right now. This is nailing it. <laughs> it. This is like the tarot is just peeking into the room there. And yet again, we've come to the final card, the future. The future. It all, it all depends on that turn. I mean, the past and the present... We know they've earned our trust. They have. This is this is where it gets a little slippery. Oh God! Let's hope it's not the devil card. God damn it! Strength. Do you have a <gasps> German suited tarot deck, an Italo Portuguese suited tarot deck, or a non occult Italian suited tarot deck, or an occult? Tarot Good question. Deck? I have wondered that too. I what believe this one is Italian. Okay. Somewhere on here it said it was made in Italy. So the third card is made in Italy. Expressly for U.S. Game Systems Inc. The first card, or the the future card, is strength. Oh, I'm optimistic. I am too. That is way better than the tower or the devil. We don't want the tower or the devil. Strength, power, energy, action, no! courage, magnanimity. Woo! Just say nothing more. That I'm, I'm, the tarot has spoken. <laughs> okay. You can reverse these cards too. The reversal on strength is abuse of power, Uh-oh. depotism, weakness, uh- discord. I get no sense of that here. Not a whiff. Not yet. <laughs> I wish I had seen this. We'll send you a so picture. Str- oh, so yeah. strength is 
I think it's an a good, eleven or a, or an eight, depending on the deck. That's an eight. Right? We've got an eight. It's an eight on our. What are deck. you looking at right now? Oh, he's I'm looking at Wikipedia. That's <laughs> where we all go. He's digging into the Arcana online. Oh boy. All right. So the, the answer to that is yes. It's a kind of a resounding yes. It was kind of a resounding yes. I don't. Um, normally, I can quibble with Josh's readings, but on this one. And see, now I think you both marks understand that my my heroic intuition is <laughs> unrivaled. Despotic, terotic. I'm going to write some terotic fiction later. What Mark really needs to think about when we're done with this show is, do I want to go through that on a weekly basis? I don't know if I want to listen to yeah. Josh turn tarot. <laughs> well, we don't have to do tarot every week. No, of I course like not. The tarot. Oh, see? The tarot's fun. All right, you we'll can ask it anything you want. You can. That's true. I asked it last week. But if you I was can't going to ask it. It has to be sort of yes, no. No, no. Well, can you say I'm... Um, what would you like to ask the tarot? for a new, new tablet. Which one should I buy? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if the tarot like, can uh, discern specific <laughs> models of technology. <laughs> new tablet. Of hardware. <laughs> that doesn't seem as burning a question. I All right, what do we got? Gonna, you can say who's going to win. Mm. Who's playing tonight? We, uh, we do not use the tarot to predict the outcome of sporting events. No, but it could be done. It could. We've just not done it. I guess I made it sound like we've never done it, but we used to do the tarot a lot on a sports show that we hosted, but we never used the tarot for that, which I, I don't know why we never did that. Because we didn't know anything else about those sports. Oh, yeah, probably because we're kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, this is the point in the show, Mark Bittman, where we have uh, an interlude. So we take a little break. We listen to some music. This week we have uh, a song called The One by Jason Lowenstein, who is a lo-fi legend. Multi-instrumentalist. Really? Oh yeah, he was in this like, band Sevado like back that. in the '90s. That I was weaned on Sevado. I think like ooh, powerful stuff for me. He was in the Fiery Furnaces. Uh, he has a Those new album. Guys, I remember them actually. Yeah, they're really fun. Uh, and he's got a new album called Spooky Action. Comes out July, uh, June 16th on Joyful Noise Recordings. And there's a picture of him here in front of a Waffle House. Let's let's listen to it. Yeah. All right, we'll listen to it. We'll be back after the break with food news eventually and more. more. That's right. All right.
back, powerful piece of music. Very mm-hmm. rope, like sturdy, fat bass action. Heavy. Heavy. Very heavy. Very heavy. Moving. Uh, during the I like that. during the interlude, uh, <laughs> Mark Bittman was telling us about his own musical what, taste. What he's There's been listening question. to this week. Yeah. Well, we could, you know, we could. I think the technology exists for us to publish my playlist if we wanted to do that. But anyway, yeah, it's out there that technology. I've been listening. To, I've been very into Jimmy Rogers. You know, he is very always an old blues guy, mm-hmm. really good. And Jimmy Reed. It's a coincidence, but the two Jimmys. But these are both like heavy influences on the Rolling Stones and all of that Brit pop stuff. But then I rediscovered Tim Buckley, who died before you guys were born, but was. What Jeff Buckley's father, who also died. Um, I'm waiting to get to the hip stuff that I believe. Hang on. Uh, this is the one I actually wanted to ask you about. Ty Siegel or Segal. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in, he's in your world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The white white fence. I mean, that's per- that guy. It was kind of like that. Well, he's a phenomenal musician. Is he the guy that puts out like an yeah. album every week? Yeah, he's very prolific. He puts out albums he has constantly. A l- a- yeah, a lot. Yeah, there's a That's lot of music you can listen to by Ty Seagull. It's, I think it's all pretty good. You just said Seagull. Yeah, I kind of Seagull, Seagull. And, and how did I come across that? I'm trying to think of what I was listening to that someone said, if you like that, you're going to like this. I, got, I will say this. I got back into looking at Pitchfork, which is really kind of great because they do oh. reviews and... Yeah, you might not always agree with them, but they're serious reviews, and they at least they listen to a lot of stuff, and and they're not, you know, they're not. This is great. This is great. This is great. They say this is this week's best album or best re-release, and um, yeah, I've been enjoying that. So yes, they take a very academic I li- look. I listen to more. Uh, I listen to more old music than new music. I have to say, so I, I think I'm in that same I'm an boat. Old guy. I'm a huge fan. I, I I rely on Pitchfork. I know it's your number one news outlet. And Josh looks askance at me quite often. He's well, a, he, he's he's more right to the source. He doesn't want anybody filtering his music for him. Well, well but Josh is getting all the free CDs. <laughs> well, I'm a little jaded. Like Pitchfork was in Chicago when I lived there. My, my friends knew the guys who started it. It was it used to be like a lot better, I think. But they kind of have a history of not. I think. Well, like most online news sources, they don't. You can't make a living working for Pitchfork. Ah, so yeah, that's gonna like no that's gonna affect pitch, like the. How quality. does Pitchfork even try to make money? Mm, they, I'm sure they make a lot of money. Well, they, no, they sold to uh, Condé Nast or something. That's right. Somebody made some money. Mm-hmm. You know how you make the money? You make a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> where's the Pitchfork? <laughs> I'm sure they have a podcast or two. All right, let's do some news. All right, food news eventually, Mark. Okay, wait one one more thing. Okay, okay. About about what I'm listening to. So the best re-release of the week or month or whatever on Pitchfork last last time I looked was this Alice Coltrane album. So Alice Coltrane was John Coltrane's yes. mm-hmm. wife and when he died she moved to California and she eventually found her way to some I think it's probably called a monastery. I think she founded one or an ashram. It was, an ashram, and, um, yeah. it was like a singing place. It was a big chanting thing was going on there so this is a re-release or maybe it's a release of just some old tapes they found of this chanting that went on there but it like combines like this 
um, spiritual, I guess, Tibetan chanting with, I mean, to me it sounds like there's really very root-based African-American gospel going mm-hmm. on, and it is fabulous, really yes. good. Re- like, like rocking chant music. It's called Alice Coltrane World Spirituality Classics, and you know, you know how spiritual I am, so I was dubious, but it's really, really good. You, so another point of contention between Josh and I is I listen to a podcast called All Songs Considered, NPR, Mm-hmm. You know this probably Bob Boylan and Robert It's it's another way I get exposed They have a whole podcast With uh, Ravi Coltrane Who's his son I believe Talking mm-hmm. about that re-release And talking about his mom And they play some of the songs You should listen It was Interesting. All songs considered It was like last week Or earlier this week I'm so hip Yeah yeah, That's powerful music On I, the cusp I, yeah. you yeah, That's it. really good I like, I like really spiritual good. music some spiritual Even though I'm not I'm a tarot guy. Oh, God. Just like Ravi Shankar. They're right. You're a tarot yeah, you're guy. You're a tarot guy. You go ahead. You be the tarot music. guy. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to read this one. Uh, this is food news eventually. Uh, Mark, this comes out of New... What do you... Huh? I'm, I'm re- All right, go this ahead. This is a story out from New Hope, which where I used to work. You, ah, I was, Expo. Yeah, right. You were at Expo. New Hope crowned him right. the kingmaker. No, Forbes magazine I know did. this story because this story was everywhere. Yeah, okay. So then I don't, well, I, there's one part I want to read. Men grocery shop but ahead, as, as often it. as women study finds. Dan Orlando, I think this is actually another, like in one of the New Hope uh, shopping, new, another, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not, it up. Nobody I know wrote this. Okay. Um, there is one gender gap that is rapidly closing and it may cause the industry to make some significant adjustments. According to a recent video mining grocery shopper impact mega study. Oh, the VMGSIM study? That's a powerful title, yeah. right? Uh, female shoppers now account for just 51% of grocery store customers. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Cultural changes, more equitable, gender-neutral view on household divisions of labor. New stage of life referred to as emerging adulthood. Started with Gen X and established firm roots in the millennial experience. We're getting, we're getting older before we divvy up our responsibilities among man and wife or partner. Wow. I just nailed it. I just crushed that story. It's a ten point landing, my friend. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I do. I except do all the, the shopping, except for the man and wife well, thing. Yeah, but yeah. Right. But while the sex neutral grocery store, what? An, that, that's an interesting concept. Is that a concept? Gender. I yeah. mean, most gender neutral. Yeah. But I mean, a, most grocery stores are sex know. neutral, aren't they? I don't know if that's the best way to. Not the writing of that. Yeah. That's a strange sentence. Uh, it might be a win for equality. It's not necessarily a boon for retailers. They rely on spotting. Uh, spending tendencies of their former main target audience, which of course is women, and they spend two dollars and seventy-three cents more on average than men during a typical grocery run. Mm, I see, I see what you're getting at there. So the coupons are like geared more towards the ladies to get them to spend money. Coupon or coupon? Coupon. Everybody says it differently. Some people say Groupon. Um, yeah. Help us. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts? Know. You know, s- grocery stores sell everything now, so I suppose it doesn't surprise me that men go as much as women. Mm. I'd be cu- uh, and it, it is interesting that women still, probably $2.73 is statistically quite significant. Right. Um, I don't know. When I read this story, I thought of two things. I thought of going to stop and shop in, on May Street in Worcester, Massachusetts in 1968, 
and that was sort of my first grown up. I was eighteen. It was um, sort of my first grown up single person trip to the supermarket to cook for myself. I can remember it pretty vividly, and I'm quite sure I was the only man in there. And I, for years and years, was would go to supermarkets and be the only man or one of very very few men in the supermarket. But it's true; it doesn't feel like that anymore. There's men all over the place, and. That is a good thing. I'm not sure I buy the gender-neutral shopping thing or the fact that men are cooking as much as women or any of that. I mean, it's probably true in some some segments of the population, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if you started breaking this thing down, if you saw that when men went to supermarkets, they bought junkier food than women or you know they were specially sent to buy frozen pizzas or... Whatever. Anyway, the second thing I thought of was the amazing um, scene where, I can't remember the guy's name, the guy in Animal House goes to the supermarket and flirts with the dean's wife. This is a clip we can find. You don't remember this. I, I, he's, buying, I don't remember. he's buying a zucchini or a cucumber, uh. and he says... I have a bigger one than this, or something like that. <laughs> Classic. This is all Googleable. I'm sure it exists. But anyway. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I shop at the, the grocery store. The other thing it made me think of. Well, I mean, I think we're talking to Mark Bittman, who's a vanguard among Well, I know. I was going to say, he, he blazed the trail that I now walk upon because I go to the grocery <laughs> store, I buy all the fresh ingredients. You made his day. I'm cooking the food. Josh is Josh, admirable. I come over here... Often, Josh is a new male. He's a new male, and we'll have he'll there'll be a lunch, like a leftovers or something he whips together, and it's quite. Prof- I mean, it's. I gotta tell you, most of it comes out of one do. of Mark Bittman's cookbooks. Oh well, I've been cooking a lot out of uh, how to cook uh, everything vegetarian lately. Excellent. Yeah. Just FYI, he's never heard that a little before. Plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The new version of how to cook everything vegetarian is coming out in uh, this fall. Oh. Yep. I just. We'll get you a copy. I just, I just peed a little. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll give some away to listeners. Ooh, fantastic! Oh, squeeze it into a vial. All um, right. No. So wait, I thought you were thinking about the book, not your pee. Oh, send the book right. to a listener. Yeah. <laughs> oh you my wanted me God. to ring out. Okay. Um, uh, one last little nugget from this, which was I thought was good news. Uh, while data from uh, recent report, while data from 2012 showed that 12 percent of shoppers limited themselves to the outer edge. That number has grown to 20% today. So one in five shoppers failed to visit the center of a grocery store. And is the center where the produce is generally kept? Is that the Incorrect. Thing? The outer edge. Correct. The produce. Okay. No, they're saying... They're not buying packaged um, stuff. Yeah. Right. They're saying the healthier... There used to be this... There is this rumor. I mean, there used to be this ma- maxim that if you stuck to the perimeter of a supermarket, you'd be less likely to buy junk food, but supermarket marketing people are smart enough to have heard that maxim, so now there's plenty of junk food on the perimeter of a supermarket, so I don't think mm-hmm. staying on the perimeter has any I don't feel particularly it. positive impact. I felt better about a minute ago. So that, I don't, I don't think, I think that's a statistic that you can file under doesn't matter a damn. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, moving on. Moving on to more good news. Moving on. Bumblebee pleads Ooh. guilty to conspiracy following other tragic tuna tales. 
Good headline. I mean, we can't even talk about this, can we? This is so awful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. What, the, the old news or the new news? Well, the old one. The, yeah, the old one. The guy who got cooked That's in the canning news. machine. I mean, come on. That's old news. We don't have to go in deep in deep on that. I mean, you can't find a company enough if shit like that happens. Well, so if I'm reading this article correctly, we'll jump straight to, right to that point. Let's just throw it out there. This is in the New Food Economy, written by Kate Cox. Go. <laughs> Attribution, important. Um uh, so this bad thing happens to this poor gentleman, and then Bumblebee agreed to pay a six million dollars settlement, three million in equipment updates, and one point five in restitution to Malena's that's his last name family. That doesn't seem like a lot to me, given the specifics of what happened. I mean, it's just too horrible to even contemplate. All right, now everybody wants to know what happened, but I just want to move on. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't actually know what happened. Oh, well. I didn't read this article yet. I'll read you the paragraph. You can edit it out if you want to or not. Ready? I'm ready. Like, this is really terrible. Um, I have to find it. Sorry. It's all teed up like we were ready to go. In October 2012, Jose Molina, a worker at the company's, this is Bumblebee's, Santa Fe Springs, California processing facility, Entered, I just entered a 35 foot long cylindrical steam pressure cooker to make a repair. You want to guess what happened next? No, it's not going to get better from there. Such ovens are used to sterilize many thousands of cans of uncooked tuna at a time. Not realizing he was inside the oven, fellow employees loaded the oven with cans, closed, and sealed the door. Mm. Temperature was set at 250 degrees. Um, Mm. But that's old news. That's still well. It is old news. But how there's not I don't know how you ever live that one down. No. How there's not safety features in place to prevent that from happening under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. yeah okay. So yeah, the new news, yeah, like some sort of just, which seems really quite irrelevant. I mean, it's like she put together two stories because the first was so horrifying you had to keep reading, but the second one is. The price fixing. Yeah. There was a little price fixing. They all do that. There's a little mistake in processing the tuna. They all do that. I mean, price fixing. I mean, there's the big three of tuna, right? Bumblebee, Starkist, and what's the third one? Chicken of the Sea. They've all cost the same Mm. always for time immemorial, right? I didn't know, maybe. But only one of them ever cooked a guy. Hey. Well, maybe not, but only one of them cooked the guy oh God. recently. <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm with you. The article, I mean, it, the centerpiece of that article is the harrowing tale from 2012, and then you're like, oh, and then they just did a little price fixing right. and had yeah. a, a little price fixing. Yeah. So what? <laughs> Moving on. Well, maybe the most interesting thing is the fake news story headlined. Right, the conflated massive bumblebee recall after two employees admit cooking a man and mixing him with a batch of tuna. <sighs> Not real. Wait, they tried to cover it up. They mixed him in with the no, tuna. No, oh. fake news. No. Oh, okay. They conflated the old news this with is... the new news and added some fake to it. It's, oh, like, a, it's like a recipe. A souffle. Yeah. News for KTLA and the Racket Report, which I don't know what the Racket Report is. It might be like a tennis publication. <laughs> But they're the ones that, well, one of them 
did this headline. I don't know whether it was Kate. The story's unclear. I don't know if it was KTLA or yeah. the Racket Report. Kate, Kate Cox does not say. Inquiring minds want to know more. Eh. Right. Or not. I'm ready Maybe to we've on. had enough. Go to, go to Tamar Hespa. Do you know this um, lovely woman from the Washington Post? I do know Tamar. I'm not sure what story we're talking about now. I don't know I'm if I have a Tamar story on It's here. the Trump... Well, oh, I'm sorry. You don't. It's But I found it through her Twitter, this oh, Rice okay. thing, where... Here, I'll read you her tweet. You probably haven't seen this. And then it goes to that Rice article. Um, Tamar. The mayo people object to just mayo. The milk people object to soy milk. Now the rice people object to cauliflower rice. Oh, my God. <sighs> So this is... I mean, yeah, so the rice people are, like, flipping out because people are cutting cauliflower into small pieces mm-hmm. and cooking it up and calling it risotto, and you can't make risotto without rice? Is that here? The- this, is, uh, this is the rice lobby, I'm sure. USARice.com, FDA, uh, has regulatory authority over not just statements of nutritional value, but food names and categories, something the rice industry has a growing interest in, with the proliferation in the marketplace of, quote, rice pretenders... Rice pretenders. It's like a band. Uh, like, does anyone say, oh, um, I'm going to buy some cauliflower, chopped up cauliflower, and cook it as if it were rice by mistake? <laughs> like, oh, I was going to buy rice and I bought this <laughs> right. cauliflower instead. But I was cooking rice this whole Somebody time. Somebody tricked me. <laughs> Uh, the rice lobby is here to protect you. Here is USA Rice President right. and CEO Betsy Ward. Vegetables that have gone through a ricer are still vegetables. Just in a yep. different form. Damn it. You can't call them rice. You have to call them yep. vegetables. Only rice is rice, and calling rice vegetables rice is misleading and confusing to customers. We may be asking the All FDA. All of these battles, the just mayo thing, and the, what was the other one you just you mentioned milk, before? Milk versus soy milk. soy milk or almond oh, milk. Oh, milk or, versus soy milk, right. Really big well, one. There's been egg problems, um, you know, egg with the mayo, right? That's the mayo, yeah. Uh, right. And uh, all of this stuff pales. Uh, before the battle that's going to happen when there's really, and that we are on the verge of seeing this, when there's really, really good um, non-animal-sourced meat. Mm. You know, when you're getting hamburgers that really taste like hamburgers and they're all plant protein or all plant ingredients, and that stuff gets called meat and starts being sold as it is being sold in the meat mm-hmm. uh the meat section of the of your refrigerator case on the perimeter of your supermarket. <laughs> I think that battle is shaping up, and it's going to be mm. well, it's going to be <clears> intense. <throat> I mean, some of the makers of you know, I would call it fake meat. I don't really know what to call it, but some of the producers of the really really good um, plant based so called meat um, are going to start going after ranchers and saying to them, look, why don't you, instead of like having to put all of this work into producing meat by like feeding and caring for these animals and having them process this food for you into what we recognize as meat, why don't you grow these specific plants, which are mostly legumes, and we'll buy the plants, and we'll give you a good price for the plants, and we will convert them into something very much like meat, and your land will be more sustainable, we'll pay you more money than you're making now, and the product will be, in many cases, better. So, or from many 
perspectives mm-hmm. better. So, I mean, as you know, I'm not a vegan, but um, but I think that this is a this is a really going to be an interesting battle. I think the ri- the rice the cauliflower rice thing is not going to get anybody too upset. I don't think. Well, have you tried one of the? Is it the Beyond Burger, the one that bleeds beet juice? I've tried both. Impossible. Um, impossible. Yeah. Possible and Beyond, um, and they're both really good. And as I said about Beyond Meat, when they were making uh, chicken, they still make a chicken-like product. Um, when I first had it, which was probably five or six years ago, I said, you know, you can go out and buy chicken that doesn't taste like anything and turn it into a taco or a burger or whatever you want to turn it into. And um, basically, you've taken some mass-produced feed and run it through a poor animal that then lives for, I think it's five weeks at this point, in, in utter abysmal conditions and um, is then slaughtered and chopped up and you get to eat that or you can just take the uh, animal, I mean the the plant protein Mm -hmm. and other stuff from the beginning and turn it into something that's very much like that chicken and it's not going to pass for a good chicken but it's going to pass for the kind of chicken you would use in a chicken taco or a burger and skip the middle animal. The middleman, the middle chicken, um, and I think that's just happening increasingly. I'm, I would never, you know, I don't know that we're five years away from producing a plant-based steak that could fool anybody, but we are past the point where you can produce a plant-based burger that would fool almost everybody. So um, why not? You know, why why go through the rigmarole of feeding and torturing animals when you can produce something very similar without doing that. Wasting all that water. I mean, just wasting water, using all that land, um, the whole animal welfare issue is just... And all of the extra steps. I mean, if it was just even from an economical point of view, forget everything else. Just like, what's more efficient? But when you include everything else... The sustainability, the resource use, the torture of the animals and the animal, all of the, what that does to us or to the people who actually kill them or are us, that is the people who don't really have any experience, hands-on experience with animals yet think that we're entitled to eat them nonstop whenever we want, how that affects our psyche and our soul mm-hmm. uh, as fellow beings on this planet. Um, I think this is really on the verge of changing. I really do. And it's changing because people are making better products out of the to that mimic meat. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to call it meat. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if we look up meat, there's a bunch of different di- different definitions of meat. But, you know, you do refer, refer to the meat of a peach, for example. So there's a lot of different uses of the word meat. And I think it's just going to be like... What do you have? And well, I'm having a burger. It's not going to be distinctly mm-hmm. necessarily from cow. When I cook the the Beyond burgers in my house, my house smells like I've been grilling meat for days afterwards. And I, that's interesting. And I ate. I thought you were going to say it's the opposite, but that's really it. Well, and then I ate one of those one time, one night, and then went to yoga about an hour later, and it was a it was a very hot room, 
I got very sweaty and I, I had the meat sweats. I smell, I smelled like a charcoal grill. Well, that's, there's a, what is that? Is I don't keto, know how they keto, do that. No, it's not ketones, is it? There's something that if you eat meat, it creates a smell that yeah. vegetarians and vegans can smell on you sometimes. Well, that Beyond Meat is magic stuff. Well, I'm glad to hear Mark say all that. I have a... I think it's stirred mm, with a unicorn horn. I have a nine-year-old? Nine I have a nine-year-old who... Uh, this is probably not all that uncommon among nine-year-olds, you know, loves animals and doesn't want to eat them and is pretty strident about it. And we have a house that has to accommodate that. And in some ways we're good at it, in some ways we're not. But what I was thinking as you said that is it, that's kind of how it's playing out, where it's easy to swap in. Like if you're going to put, if you want to scramble some eggs and mix in some sausage, you don't need real sausage. That's an easy swap, Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a exactly because you're never going to know there's now. On the other hand, you know if you're making chili and you want to put ground meat in there, you could also substitute bulgur or wheat berries or whatever, and the fall off is not that great. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not the same. It's not going to fool as many people, but it's a you're getting the chewiness that you want, and um, you know it's. It, it's not like there aren't vegan alternatives to um, high-tech substitutes, but you know I do think the Beyond um, the Beyond products are really really interesting, and I know they're working hard on trying to make more things that are more interesting. And um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a fun time for that stuff. I think. Well, I have a uh, reputation. If you go out to dinner with me and you order meat. I always say, enjoy it while you can. He makes it a lot of fun for people. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, let's. Uh, we got a uh, bread. We got to end on bread. Well, no. Yeah, okay. maybe. Well, you know, I'm a big, I'm a bread, big bread baker. So this is this is a softball right over the plate for Mark Bittman. I mean, I couldn't have picked a more ridiculous article, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, what's the best? I'll, I'll tell you what I thought. Well, when you when you're finished describing it, I will point out what I think is the most ridiculous. Ooh. Part of this ridiculous so I should read like some quotes from it. Or anyway, uh, what's the best way to store? Well, you can. I think you can summarize. Okay, it. it's it's, it's self-explanatory. What's the best way to store bread, and why is refrigerating bread such a bad thing? Maxine Builder at Extra Crispy. Um. So the main reason you shouldn't store bread in the fridge is because the cold actually makes bread go stale faster. Apparently, this is something to do with the starches. Oh wait, there's some terms in here that I liked. Crystalline structure, retrogradation, and recrystallization of the starch structures. Yeah, so don't do that. And also, things dry out in the refrigerator yeah. more quickly than they do on the counter. And then some other no-brainers here. Um, uh, on the counter, you ought to buy a big old loaf and cut slices off, not pre-sliced. You ever try and cut an even slice that'll pass muster with a child if you're trying Ooh, to make a, a school a sandwich? Bringing a wrinkle to the table. I bought a slicing machine. I think you guys oh, saw that. Oh, he just man. If you're gonna, you. if you're gonna make or me. buy really good, if you're gonna make or buy really good bread, it's just so hard to cut it. Mm. It is. Mm. I don't really. Your kids so, are your, your kids are fitting. My kids don't care really. Do you give them like you but give them like the weird uneven like? If you're gonna buy pre-sliced supermarket bread you can't make it go stale anyway so this is really is not as you know they say but i thought the most interesting thing was uh you should also take bread out of the plastic mm -hmm. as soon as possible mm -hmm. 
uh, since the plastic covering encourages mold growth, explains Eric Kaiser, the baker who owns Maison Kaiser and author of, I'm not even going to plug his book. Now, Take that, um, Eric. <laughs> here's the thing. Eric Kaiser almost single-handedly brought back great baguette making in Paris, where it had fallen into a state of disrepair. And initially he had one, and then two, and then three bakeries, and the bread was amazing. And then he, I don't know whether he got investment money or he just bootstrapped or what, but now he has like 80 million stores, Mm -hmm. um, including quite a number in New York. I mean, half a dozen or so, I don't know, but some number. And um, the fact that the guy even considers that bread should be sold in plastic so that you could take it out of the plastic when you get home shows that he's a completely abandoned real baking because no one who ever baked a loaf of bread would then put it in plastic. Ah. So the answer is if you bake your own bread or you buy good bread, um, you then take it home and you store it in a paper bag or wrapped parchment paper or brown paper or fucking newspaper, I don't know, or a towel, a towel. A clean dish towel. That's what you do. And then if a day or two later, if it starts to get stale, I actually feel like at that point, you're better off putting it in plastic because you want to retain as much moisture as you can. Mm. I wouldn't refrigerate it. I agree with that part of the piece. Hmm. You could also make croutons. You can do whatever, yeah, do whatever you yep. want. Breadcrumbs. Well, speaking of breadcrumbs, Mark, this is the, the segment in the show that we've Uh-oh. never had before, but like where we'd like to ask you, like, what have you been, what have you been cooking lately? Um, that's just an interesting question. Well, um, we had, you met Holden, my grandson. You sure did. Mm-hmm. Um, so his first birthday was recently, so we had a party for him and um and the kids came and five five of us cooked all day Saturday and six of us cooked most of the day Sunday and we had um I made what we're gonna call a stew of neglected meats. I just took a bunch of stuff out of the freezer that I could not I just thought this is really great for a stew. So I made uh, beef stock out of bones and, and shin and shank and then I cooked lamb and pork and more beef in the beef stock and turned that into, and some tomatoes and spices and chilies and stuff and turned that into a sauce and made a vast vat of polenta and served the sauce in the polenta. That was well received and I made fried chicken um, which I hadn't made in a long time but I made fried chicken for 25 people. That was a lot of work and yeah. also well received and made a couple bean dips and uh, we made, it was very um, it was Mother's Day, we made many um, sort of traditional things, coleslaw and potato salad and pasta salad and bean dips as I said, I baked five or six breads, as I said I've been baking a lot of bread and um, we made a couple pies and we made a cake, I mean it's a lot of cooking it's really something, so that was Took me two days to recover from that. There was a certain amount of alcohol involved, um, and I actually have not cooked at home this week. I'm sorry to say, and I'm not cooking at home tonight because, as I said up top, there's a guy down there slow cooking baby splayed splayed lambs on a 
over a wood fire. What do you think you will cook to kind of reintroduce yourself into the kitchen after a, a prolonged absence such as this one? Well, I think our um, summer CSA uh, starts tomorrow, mm-hmm. so there's going to be... I, you know, I just did actually make um, broccoli rob and beans and garlic for olive oil for lunch, which was fabulous and I think that we're going to be we're going to be looking at a very heavy vegetable period upcoming oh, I love as it. soon as we get through this meat tonight I will say hey, uh, um, I, was gonna- I don't have any I think the only night the other thing is it's sort of the party season has begun over here so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of nights out um, and I think the next night that I'm cooking is actually Sunday. We're recording this on a Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. So it's quite a few. Tomorrow, tonight's this thing outside, and tomorrow night there's a big party a couple towns away, and Saturday night I'm going to my alma mater, Clark University, and getting a honorary doctorate degree. So the next time we do this, you'll be calling me Dr. <laughs> Bittman. Happily. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to do it or you're just not going <laughs> to. Yeah. You'll be disrespecting okay. me. You can't disrespect the doctor. <laughs> the doctor. Doctor. Oh, boy. Wait, is this, oh, was this, so if Holden's one, is this Kate's first Mother's Day as a mother? Or did she already have one? Uh, she had one when Holden yeah. was like two yeah. weeks wow. or something. Special times. So, yeah. Yeah, those yeah. are special times. Assuming Kate listens. Hi, Kate. Congratulations <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, hello, Holden. Happy Mother's Day. She'll, in she has, to, she has to listen. Yeah. <laughs> She'll listen. <laughs> All right, I think we've done it. No, we haven't. Well, I was going to, you know, you, you were about to ask me what we were going to eat. I was looking at you that whole time he was describing those uh, scrumptious meals. I got, I got a recipe I can run past Mark Bittman. It's, uh, or past almost Dr. Bittman. Uh, it's 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 a vegetable-based taco meat that I make. Where here's what I do: I get some beluga caviar. What? <laughs> no, you don't. I do. I got some beluga caviar. No, I'm just kidding. Beluga lentils, and I uh, right. I rinse those and then I cook them. Uh, you know, and while they're cooking, I Could dice up a shallot them? and then I I brown a shallot in some uh, oil, and then I uh, once that's nice and kind of caramely, I add some vegetable stock. I just cook it down for a while. And then when the lentils are ready, I just dump those in and stir them up. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm feeling crazy, well, so far you've just cooked lentils. <laughs> no, I know, but some, but oh no, that that was the so recipe far. I wanted to share. It was instead of oh, yeah, lentils with a shallot. Well, let me yeah. take it back a step. No, instead of the the second time I made this, instead of the vegetable broth, I used uh, a bespoke artisan uh, Bloody Mary mix <laughs> instead of the vegetable stock. So it was uh, it was Josh's. Bloody bean taco mix. Does it become a taco? And then you, you've What's weird? Shoved all that into taco shells. I served them in hard shells with some uh, with some coleslaw on them. I haven't bought hard shells in like ten years. Yeah, my kids like the hard shells, and I kind of enjoy them too. The, the soft ones tend to crumble sometimes, you know. So the hard—I mean, the hard shells obviously they crumble too, but not when you just fold them, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. But they were very good tacos. But you do you do get that slight dill taste if you're using Bloody Mary mix. So you just want to warn your. Did you um? Did you put sour cream on there? Avocado? What? Avocado, uh, some cotija cheese, and some uh, some like cabbage, some simple cabbage slaw. It was pretty good. Right. No? Well, next time we do this, I'll try to have a recipe for you instead of relying on me. I did describe. Instead of relying on you, I did describe the um, stew of neglected meats. It's yes. a great title. It's a great title. That's on. It's an awesome title. On trend. I'm just start to do more lyrical recipe titles. Well, that could be like a. That's a dinner menu in the making. Josh's 
bloody bean tacos and Mark's stew of neglected well, meats. I think a stew of neglected we could, meats with polenta. That's a, we put all this. We we uh, my friend Charlie was coming up. He's actually a better cook than I am. Um, he doesn't make a living no, doing it, doctor. but he really knows what he's doing. He's coming up. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this polenta. I'm frying chicken. I got this stew going. There's people running in and out of here. I'm sort of running this party for 25 people. I'm going nuts. He says, oh, yeah, you can just do polenta in the oven. So I said, oh, really? How's that? He says, just put in a ton of dairy, and then you don't have to stir it nearly as much, and just shove it in the oven. So I get someone to bring me a ton of, like, half and half and a pound of butter, and we start loading up the polenta with that, which, I mean, I've done that before. And then needless to say, or not needless to say, because I'm going to say it, but the pot didn't fit in the oven, so I wound up stirring it on top of the stove anyway. But it worked out okay. You've got to be flexible like the blade of grass when you're it's in the kitchen. Pro move. Ben, don't break, exactly. Yeah, doing hand gestures. Over to Mark, pro move. Over to you. All right, so we need a sign-off thing that's like seatbelts, but what is it? Well, we did want to ask you about this uh, John Cusack movie. I think movie. it might come out of that goddamn movie <laughs> clip we saw. Well, thank you for sending me the John Cusack clip, and I'm definitely going to watch, what is it called, Arsenal? Yeah. Well, hold on. ASAP, we, but I didn't get to watch it yesterday. I could not believe that clip with Nick Cage and that ridiculous wig. Right. That was the funniest thing I ever saw. Right. Yeah, it was a very quizzical trailer. Well, I mean, it was like a lot I, of very fat like, kind of is that, is that Nick Cage? That was terrible. I, I could not believe it. Laughable. Um, I, I, so I didn't know. I will watch it as soon as I can. But I did watch, not for the first time, for the second time, because I'm an old Beach Boys fan, Love and Mercy. Um, yeah, that's something else. Which was really something. And that kid, Paul Dano, is that his name? Amazing. He played the young Brian, Brian Wilson, amazing. John Cusack was John Cusack, but a little more hesitating version of John Cusack. Mm. Um, this Arsenal movie looks like it's the regular John Cusack. It does. He's got like a do-rag on in the trailer, too. We'll, we'll play a little bit of the trailer for people, but we should explain that part of the reason we're asking Mark about John Cusack is one of our early recording experiments was... Uh, Dr. Bittman recording a rant about making eggplant candy, which, if I recall, essentially you were, you were cooking eggplant. You were going to put some miso on it, and you'd cook to stir-fry, and then you were drinking wine. Miso? I think you just put an oil and cooked no, the no, hell no. out of it. He said he was going no, to I put think, miso I think, on it. I think Josh is oh, right, right, yeah. Don't question me, Mark. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then he just he forgot about the eggplant. He went, and he was watching Gross Point Blank, Yep, which is an amazing film, and he was eating his stir-fry. In the morning, he, he remembered the eggplant and went and looked in the oven, and there it was. Turn, no, he went, turned oh, to candy. shit. Oh, then, fuck. He said, oh, oh fuck. I, I listened to the tape. But um, because I had turned the oven off at some point, it was really good, mm. my eggplant candy. Oh. In fact, I think I wrote an article about That's it. That's my problem. I left the oven on. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, you just started a small fire. <laughs> well, then the smoke detector would go off. Well, to, to put a put a uh, bookend on the arsenal, I... Uh, buyer beware I did one quick Google so I was like is this out yet or not first thing that came up was the LA Times review too soon crime drama arsenal may be the worst movie of 2017 oh <laughs> well, you know <laughs> let's talk about that for a oh. second because um, what did I just see that was supposed to be the worst movie <laughs> ever and I so enjoyed it it was such a guilty Ooh, pleasure it wasn't Ishtar was it mm. That could be a contender, though. No, it was um, London Has Fallen. Oh, I did hear that was bad. But it was... It's so bad, but I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, 
And uh, apparently it's a sequel to a movie called Olympus Has Fallen, which is even better. Even better or even worse better? Uh, I think it's, it might be better, which might mean that it's not as good, but I, I'm going to watch it. Mm. So these, these uh, star um, Gerald Butler, who's a, no one anyone's ever heard of, but he's in both these movies playing like a, a Bruce Willis type. And um, Aaron, what's his name? Aaron um, Eckhart? Is that a, That's a is guy. That a name? Yeah. He's a person. He's got a very a strong guy? jawline. He played Two-Face. Yeah. yeah. He's, he, I mean, he might be a great actor, but not in this movie. Um, but I, it was great, and the special effects were awesome. I loved them. Whereas so. Arsenal appeared to have no budget, even for wigs. <laughs> Nick Cage, <laughs> Nick Cage he's got, looks but, like he's got um, Moe's wig on. Had a budget for baseball bats. If we're going to talk about bad movies, just one more, bear with right. me one more second. Really, we should just do a music and movie podcast because the food's not as interesting as this, I don't think. You don't have to, um, don't have to twist my arm. The Accountant. With Ben Affleck? With ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, who is, could get an award for worst actor of all time, but um, since The Accountant is a movie about a genius autistic accountant hitman it's the perfect ben affleck role it is well i like that it's got shades of of goodwill hunting to it right where he's like yeah yeah and um i have to also say first of all it's a very convoluted plot which you have to either watch some of it twice or read about it or think really hard to figure out what actually happened but when you do it's quite satisfying i thought um, we're going to have, if anyone listens to this ever, they're just going to think I'm a complete moron, but all right. And then, um, the other thing is that a very, very, uh, empathetic and I think experts would agree accurate portrayal of autism and mm-hmm. in a, and a, you know, there was, there was no, um, denigration of autistic people. There was no talking down about it. There was no it was just like, here are these people who are different, genuine, interesting, full human beings living different kinds of lives. And um, I thought it was, you know, obviously there are probably very few autistic assassins because there are probably very few assassins actually in the United States. But um, so it's a little far fetched, um, um, but it's hilarious. And, and can I quote him on that? I thought awesome at the same time well, we got better even than London has fallen the account. I think we well, learned sounds like quite a double feature my kids to watch it my kids refuse to watch it they're like you're such a nut so is, I think we've learned something here that if somebody says it's a bad movie you're gonna watch it well you know I go online I'm you're like actually get in a mood you want to watch an action movie uh, so they're all bad are there any good action movies die hard pretty awesome <laughs> It's like 40 years old. Josh. I mean, and if you watched it, it would be good. It's completely stupid with Bruce, Bruce Willis running around saying idiotic things. Well, yeah, the, the whole that whole idea that you'd have all these wise-ass cracks to make while you're being shot at is kind of funny. But that movie, like, right. remember when his feet get all cut up? That was horrifying. Oh, yeah. That, like, left scars on me. I don't. I can't wear flip flops because of that. You probably recovered in. in <laughs> I just didn't. Want, I just didn't want to be out in the world unprepared to, to have to walk across glass. Yep. He probably recovered in five minutes, though. Do you remember the, there was an episode of 24 where Jack Bauer is, like, tortured literally to death? 
he's pronounced dead. And then Jeez. just after he's pronounced dead, he gets rescued. They come in and rescue him, and you know they give him an adrenaline shot in his heart, and they do whatever advanced CPR hocus pocus they do. And uh, five minutes later, he's in the car with some woman, I think, and he's coughing sort of like this. <coughs> and uh, he says, sorry, uh, yeah, I just died a few minutes ago, so <laughs> oh. I'm still, still recovering. <laughs> Ooh, that is straight from the Bruce Willis playbook. That's tough. Have you seen The Last Boy Scout? Uh, no, Ooh, how's that? That is one of the greatest action films of all time. It's uh, Shane Black wrote and directed it, and it's got... Uh, Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis, nonstop wisecracks, nonstop action. You just—that's his Thursday night now. It's just, such a good movie. Yeah, you got it. You know the thing is that my. Um, uh, no, I don't think we're going to go there. Let's just say that I usually wind up watching these things by myself in some <laughs> situation where it's like I can just—it's like watching baseball. Yeah. I mean, no one really wants to watch baseball with me, so. Well, if you want to watch Last Boy Scout, feel free to Skype me in. Because I'm always um, down to watch that, that again. Great. <laughs> can we wait? Can we watch? Oh, Just do live commentary? What? Wow. So he's looking it up. That's an old movie. It's got pedigree, yeah. though. Can we watch it together? Okay. I'm sure we could figure out a way to do that. That'd be a great episode. It's Just a record date. It. The, doc, the do doctor time, and the skater How do you boy. time sync that? I don't know. We, but we'd have to probably watch Arsenal and Last Boy Scout. This is a full evening we're planning out. <laughs> Roll tape. Uh, I can't wait to watch Arsenal. I know. It looks really special. All, All right. right. Well, this has been let's episode 118 go. of let's Natch. let everybody go. Yeah. The Natural Living Podcast, episode 118. Dr. Mark Bittman, thank you. Call it, can we co- uh, By the time this comes out, I mean, Monday, when, when are you becoming a doctor? Uh, I'm becoming a doctor on Sunday. You can start oh! calling me doctor. Maybe we should change the so title I'll of this episode title. to Dr. Uh, Mark you, Bittman. It will be published to the media world. Introducing Dr. <laughs> Dr. Mark. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could have your own reality. Uh, or, um, congratulations on that in show. advance. Yeah, for real, though. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. We'll see how it goes. Should be an interesting weekend. Yeah, you can't, you know. Can't. All right, gents, nap time for me. Thanks for your time All and right. your energy and your goodwill. Let me know if there's anything you need, any pickups or whatever, and uh, tell me when it's ready. Monday. We will. It'll be, it'll be All right. Monday. All right. You know, Mike, I have a job for you if you want it. We're brothers. Don't worry about me. This how you talk to you, Ricky. It's always something. Is it true what I heard? You bought some coke and you wanted to flip it? What do you want me to say? So you're a drug dealer now. Four. You owe me! You owe me! Gotta get himself killed. Mikey, you have a daughter. I'm not perfect like you. She's been hanging out with these meth head losers. What would you know? Raise the stakes. You sure you want to do this? They're gonna kill her. What do I do? You gotta face it. The police aren't gonna help you here. The cops aren't gonna stop it. Somebody has to. Look at me. Are you lying to me? Don't lie to me. You lost your mind. They're gonna kill you both. Sense natural. 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 Sounds natural. Sounds natural.
natural.